Well, today we are going to continue our series, I'm Calling the Dare. Now, to dare means to provoke, it means to push, it means to challenge. And I'm sure that all of us have been on both ends of a dare. Today, I'm going to double dog dare you. Yeah, I want to dare you today to take a stand. Take a stand. Let me ask you this today. Do you have any convictions? Do you have any principles that that you live by? Do you believe in absolutes? Are you for anything? Against anything? Are you willing to take a stand on these? But I ask you this morning, what if what if it's not popular? What if it creates problems for you? What if your principles goes against the main stream? Now, I want to be very, very clear today. I'm I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being arrogant. See, you can take a stand without coming across unkind. Some people need to hear that. Uh, You can take a stand without coming across unsympathetic. It's possible to take a stand without coming across unloving. See, putting someone else down does not lift you up. In Daniel chapter 3, there were three young men who were willing to take a stand. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys were willing to take a stand when not even one other person was willing. I want to point out four things today that relate to taking a stand. First of all, I want to say it's a choice. To take a stand is a choice. Now, in verses 1 through 5, King Nebuchadnezzar had made a huge statue, a huge idol out of gold. And the Bible says there that he set it up in Babylon and that he made a law that said that when music was played, everybody was going to have to bow down to this idol and worship this idol as their God. Understand, this was a command from the king himself. And anyone who refused to do this would be thrown into a furnace of fire. And all the people, as you read the story, you'll discover that all of the people obeyed the king's command. Everyone, that is, except these three young men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow. They refused to obey. They were willing to take a stand. They were willing to take a stand against the king. They were willing to take a stand against evil. They were willing to take a stand against what was breaking the laws of God. See, God's law said in Exodus chapter 20, and they were aware of it, that you shall not bow before any false god or any man-made idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that the king was commanding them to do something that went against the law of God. Now, if you know the word, you'll understand that the Bible teaches us to obey the laws of the land. How many understand that? The Bible teaches us to obey the laws of the land unless, say unless. 
Obey the laws of the, la- of the land unless, unless man's law contradicts God's law. And in this case, God's law trumps man's law. Acts chapter number 5 verse 29 says, But Peter and the other disciples answered and they said, We must obey God rather than man. Yes, I am to obey the laws of the land. I am to obey the laws that have been made by man unless they contradict the law of God. And then if they contradict the law of God, then I must be willing to take a stand for the laws of God. Well, the day came for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The day came when they must take a stand They understood what the laws of man was. They understood the law of of the king, but they also knew that there was a higher law, and it was the law of God, and they were willing to make a stand and stand with the laws of God. The day is quickly coming for us as well. Are you aware of that? The day is quickly coming for us as well, and I ask you this morning, who will be willing to take a stand when that day comes? We will see. To take a stand is a choice. Let me suggest two things here this morning. First of all, I believe that we should stand for what the Scriptures say. We should be willing to take a stand for what the Scriptures say. Now, we also need to understand that not everything in Scripture is in black and white. How many has read the Word of God and you understand what I'm saying? Not not everything in Scripture is black and white. Some of it is open to interpretation. That's why people differ in the area of doctrine. That's why there are so many types and denominations and styles and types of churches today. It's because not everything in the Word of God is black and white. There's a lot of things in the Word of God that is open to interpretation. But I want you also to understand that much of it is black and white and is abundantly clear. And we should take a stand in these areas. Scripture is clear on Jesus being the only way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That is abundantly clear that Jesus is the only way to salvation, and we should stand on what Scripture says. It clearly states in Scripture that saints go to heaven and sinners go to hell. It's clear, and we need to stand on what the Scriptures say. It's clear on a lot of things, and we should take a stand for what the Scriptures clearly say. But I also believe this this morning, that is, I believe we should take a stand for what the Spirit says to us personally. Not only should we make a stand and take a stand for what the Scriptures themselves say, but also for what the Spirit says to us uh, personally. I ask you this morning, do you have any personal convictions? Maybe it's not spelled out in black and white in the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit has convicted you personally about them. Do you have any? You know, when I was growing up, the preachers preached a lot of their own personal convictions. And they preached them as absolutes. They preached them as sin. And they placed the bar so high that nobody could come close to measuring up, which caused a lot of saints to feel defeated and feel hopeless. That's what you call going to 
extremes. I mean, I mean, when I was growing up, Amazing Grace was the, was the favorite hymn of the church, but you couldn't find grace in the house anywhere. When I was growing up, not only did they not preach eternal security, they preached eternal insecurity. Hello? You still tracking with me this morning? They went to extremes, but I want to tell you this morning that we have gone too far to the opposite direction today. And that's what usually happens. Usually we knee-jerk from one generation to the other. One generation is too far one way, and so the next generation takes it too far the other way. And I believe that that's where we are today. That's where we are in our society today. We have knee-jerked and we have taken it, taken it too far. We're living in a day where preaching, preachers seldom preach about sin. In fact, there are even preachers that will boast that they say, you'll never hear about sin in my pulpit. And we're living in a day where preachers seldom preach about sin, seldom preach about anything that could appear to be negative. And the result of this extreme is a very liberal and worldly church today. And saints who look and act very similar to sinners. The line that separates saint from sinner seems to be getting pretty blurry. Hear me, hear me this morning, but hear me clearly. I am, I am not suggesting that we return to legalism. We came out of legalism, and I am not encouraging us. I am not leading us. I'm not suggesting that we return to legalism, and I am not suggesting that we turn from grace back to the letter of the law, but I am suggesting that there should be a difference in the lifestyle of a saint and a sinner. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul writes, he says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Say new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm telling you that when we come to Christ and when Christ comes into our life, there ought to be some old things that pass away. There ought to be some old things that drop off and drop out of our lives. And then there should be some new things that should be coming, new thoughts and new attitudes and new desires and new actions and new reactions. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord, and do not touch their filthy things. Well, I believe that we should take a stand for what the scriptures clearly say and also believe that we should take a stand for what the Spirit says to us personally. And listen, what the Spirit convicts me of might be different from what he convicts you of. And I should not judge you according to my personal convictions and you shouldn't judge me according to yours. But know this, we, sh- we will be judged by God about how we respond to our own God-given convictions. Uh, here's what I know about taking a stand, and that is I know it ta- it's a choice. I also know this, number two this morning, it will cost you. To take a stand will cost you. And the reason why most people will not take a stand is because they are not willing to pay the price it will cost. Let's look over there in Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter 3, and let's look at verse number uh, 19. Excuse me, let me, let, let me read verse 6 first. The 
king says, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then skip over to verse number 19. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The price that these three young men had to pay for taking a stand was extremely high. They were willing, if required, to literally die for the stand that they were willing to take. My question to us this morning, what price are we willing to pay? Let me suggest two very practical things that our stand could cost us. First of all, it could cost us relationships. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but surely these three men had developed relationships with some of these people. But when they stood while others bowed, no doubt it angered some of their friends. Perhaps these people thought these guys are making us look bad. Yeah, we should be standing with them, but we're not willing to pay the price of standing like they are. Perhaps it cost them some relationships. Here's what I know this morning. When we are not willing to go along to get along, when we stand against what the crowd is bowing down to, it's going to cost us. It'll probably cost us some relationships. And understand this this morning. Please be abundantly clear on this. I'm referring to principles, not preference. I'm referring to what we know, not just what we think. Taking a stand will not just cost us some relationships, but also it's probably going to cost us some resources. See, see, when the boss asks you to falsify some records or, fall, or file a false report or do something else that, that you deem unethical, when you stand against him, when you take a stand for what's right, when you refuse to bow, it just might cost you some resources. He might fire you. He might refuse to promote you. He may sabotage your financial future. Hear me this morning. To take a stand can come at a very high price. It can become very costly. Third thing I want us to look at this morning is, and that is you will be challenged. See, see to boast about what we will do is one thing. And we all do it, don't we? You know? Boasting about what we will do is easy. Pulling it off under the pressure of actually having to live up to our boast is something much, much more difficult. Peter discovered this. 
Remember what, what Peter said to Jesus? He said, Lord, he boasted. He said, Lord, I'll never deny you. Oh, yeah, the other 11, man, they're just, you know, they come and they go. Yeah, they will. But, Lord, I will never deny you. Lord, he said, he said I'm willing to die for you. Easy to say, Peter. But when the rubber met the road, when his test actually came, he failed miserably. These three young men were challenged about the stand that they were taking. And so will we if we choose to take a stand. I want to suggest two things here. First of all, Satan will arrange compromising situations. He will make sure that the principles that we say we believe and the principles that we say that we live by, he will make sure that these principles are tested. And he will do this by arranging compromising situations. And Satan will make it convenient for you to back down. He did so with these three young men. The king gave them a second opportunity to bow. He brought them before him personally, and he said to them, he said, I'm told that you guys wouldn't bow to my golden image. Surely you understand the law. Surely you understand the consequences if you don't bow. And he said to them, hey, guys, I should toss you into the furnace right now for this, but you just happen to catch me on a good day. And I'll tell you what, here's what I'm willing to do for you, boys. I'm giving you a second chance to bow. If you will bow right now, all will be forgiven and your life will be spared. And this is the way Satan works with us. He makes it convenient for us to back down. We may originally take a stand. We may initially stand up for what we believe and for what is right and whatever, but he will make it convenient for us to back down from the stand that we initially made. He makes bowing easy and taking a stand extremely hard. So my dare for you today is I dare you to take a stand. I dare you to stand for what you believe in. I dare you this morning to stand for what's not pop, when it's not popular to stand. I, I dare you this morning, stand for what God's word teaches. Stand. Stand for those that are unable to stand for themselves. Stand for those personal convictions that the Holy Spirit has given you. They may not be anyone else's convictions, but they are your convictions. And the Holy Spirit has given you those convictions. I I dare you to stand for those convictions that the Holy Spirit has given to you. And to be clear this morning, I'm talking about those things that you have genuinely been convicted of by God, not those things that you have merely been convinced of by man. And there's a vast difference in the two. I also dare you to take a stand against some things. Stand against what God's word is clearly against. But let me caution you here this morning. Don't don't take a scripture out of context. Or cherry pick verses ignoring what the word of God says before and what the word of God says after. And we're all guilty of that. Stand for what is right and stand against what is wrong. I dare you to take a stand. But as I dare you to take a stand, I say this this morning, do it in love. I'd like to stop right here and just 
get out of anointing into annoying really quick. Do it in love. Do it with grace. Do it with the right heart. Do it with the right motive. Do it with the right attitude, but, but do it. Well, let's look at the fourth and the final thing that I have for you today, and that is Christ will stand with you. Christ will stand with you. In verse number 25, it says, the king looked into the furnace of fire and he said, he said, hey, he said, I see four men walking unharmed in the midst of the, of the fire. And he turned to those, those that were around him and he said, how many guys, how many guys did we throw in the fire? Well, king, you know, we tossed three. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He says, there's Shadrach, there's Meshach. There's a bed to go, but who's this fourth one? Who's this fourth one? There's, there, there's not, we toss three in the fire, but look, 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 I see four, I see four men, and they're loose, and they're walking in the fire unharmed, and the form of the fourth man looks like the Son of God. I'm telling you this morning, you never have to stand alone. You never have to stand alone. I'm telling you, no matter how hot the fire is, it doesn't matter what it is, to, what it is this morning, Jesus will always be in the fire with you. You will never have to go in the fire alone. You'll never have to stand alone. You'll always have Christ standing with you. Well, here's what I know about Jesus, and that is he walks with you when the saints walk out on you. He walks with you when the saints walk out on you. Paul experienced this. Notice what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. He said, at my first trial, he said, nobody stood with me. I mean, we're talking about the Apostle Paul, the number one apostle. We're talking about, you know, the, the man that, that everybody looked up to, the man that everybody looked to uh, for leadership and for guidance. But Paul says, he said, at my first trial, he said, nobody stood with me. He said, everybody forsook me. I mean, I guarantee you there were people that would brag about being, you know, I'm with Paul, you know. I'm with Paul. Because he was somebody. And, you know, we all like to hang around those somebodies, you know. And we always like, you know, you know, well, yeah, well, you know, a tiger? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I played golf with him in high school, you know. I didn't. I'm just saying that's what we, you know. I guarantee you there were people that bragged, man. I, you know, I was with Paul. You know, I was with Paul recently. You know, I've been hanging out with Paul. I'm with Paul. But all of a sudden, he's on trial. All of a sudden, he's in trouble. All of a sudden, things are not as, not as uh, comfortable as they once were. And Paul said, I looked around and nobody stood with me. Nobody would stand up with me. And everybody forsook me, Paul said. Oh, but he didn't stop there. But he said, but the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. Hear me this morning. We never have to take a stand alone. Yes, man will forsake us. Yes, man will betray us. Yes, man will let us down. But we can all, always count on Jesus to be there. He walks with us when the saints walk out on us. And he walks with us when the situation intensifies. 
See, not only were these three young men tossed into the furnace as if that wasn't bad enough. The king, he was so angry at these guys that the king turned the thermostat on the furnace up seven times hotter than he initially intended it to set it. It was already hot enough to kill somebody but and burn somebody alive, but he was so angry that he turned the, the thermostat up seven. In fact, it was so hot that those that threw them into the fire burned. The fire coming out of the fire was so hot or the heat coming out of the fire was so hot that it destroyed them and killed them. And yet, if you read the story, you'll see that it made no difference to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That The fire had no effect. No, no, even though the, the fire was hotter, even though the situation intensified, yet, yet it had no effect upon them because Jesus was walking with them, and Jesus was protecting them, and Jesus was shielding them, even though the situation intensified. I, I don't know how hot the fire is going to get before this is all over, but I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is going to be there, and there are going to be some saints that are not going to go with us. There's going to be some people that are not going to be willing to make the trip. There's going to be some people that will not be willing to take a stand. But I'm telling you, for those of us that will be willing to take a stand, we will not have to stand alone because Jesus will be there. He'll be in the fire with us. He'll protect us from the fire. Amen. He'll walk us through the fire. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can depend upon Jesus. When we stand, Jesus always stands with us. Take away this morning, are you willing to take a stand? Are you willing to take a stand? And you might want to kind of pull your toes in because this next one might just kind of chop them off. Is there enough difference in your life to require you to? Is there enough difference in your life? See, it seems like there's very little difference between saint and sinner today. We have so many chameleon Christians today. They know how to talk the talk, but they're not good at walking the walk. And I know I'm not putting everybody in the same basket this morning. There are many powerful, wonderful, awesome, incredible saints. But I believe it's time today when the difference between saint and sinner is a little more easily detected. Hello? Are you still with me this morning? Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning. God, may your word, Father, do what it needs to be done done in the hearts and lives of your people today. Holy Spirit, do a work of conviction in our hearts. Shine a spotlight on our hearts. Shine a spotlight on those areas that we need to be aware of in our own lives. It's easy for us to point the flaw out the flaws and the, of other people, and yet so often, even as Jesus talked about. We're pointing at a splendor in some in a splinter in somebody else's eye when there's a boulder coming out of our own and we're not even aware of it.